Hey everyone, welcome to Detox Podcast. I'm Denise Walker, your host. And if you are just joining us for the first time, this is a podcast series modeled after my poetry collection, Pick Your Poison. We've got two volumes out so far, volume one, volume two, and all of the poetry in it is about addiction and addiction recovery from alcohol. And every episode, I go into one of the poems in order, and I deconstruct everything about the poem and why I wrote it, what was going on, what was in my head at the time, the emotions I was feeling. And it's really interesting for me to go through this. I'm really enjoying it because at the time when I wrote the poem, it didn't really make a ton of sense to me. It was just raw emotion that was coursing through me and I needed to do something with it. I needed to get it out of me somehow and it took the form of poetry. It wasn't until now that I'm going through these poems more than a year later, reading them and and really understanding what the heck they were about, you know. So it's been a really cool process for myself, really enjoying it and uh, an interesting way of looking back and I feel really grateful that I did this um, because I have this tangible copy of my cataloged experience of my addiction recovery. Isn't that cool? I think it's awesome. I'm really like hats off to past Denise for that one. Super excited about it. Um, so yeah, this episode, I think we're on episode 55 now. And it's called Groundhogging, <laughs> which gets its name from kind of, I think you can probably guess, but the idea of, of Groundhog Day is, is a day repeats itself over and over and over again, right? You never escape. It's just the same day over and over. That's how I was feeling for so long when I was in active alcohol addiction. So. Before we jump into that, just wanted to let you know that tomorrow is the 20th of August, 2019, and I'm hosting Write and Rise workshop. I'm so excited. I'm almost sold out, and I might sell out, which is just freaking phenomenal. Um, I, I could not be more elated by that. It feels really good, especially since there's been quite a bit of um, growing pains. I'm kind of figuring stuff out with the Lucid Yoga Collective that I'm a part of now. Um, I teach meditation in that collective. We're based at a homestead where Ride and Rise will be held tomorrow night from 7 p.m. until 9 p.m. If you listen to this (laughs) today and you are compelled to come to the workshop, please do. You can find tickets on Eventbrite. You can go to my website and find it there at www.denisewalkerspeaks.com or you can go to uh, the Lucid Yoga website. We're selling tickets on there as well at lucidyoga.ca. You can sign up for our classes. You can uh, sign up for the workshop, other workshops. It's awesome. Uh, Yeah. So in September, I will be teaching meditation mostly on Fridays, but I go um, to visit some of my sober buddies in California to do another workshop. But not, it's like a ride and rise 
version. Um, it's it's Right and Rise California Foodie Edition. So it's going to be with my friend Mimi, who's uh, there's a poem about her in Volume Two, one of my favorite poems of all time that I've written, and because uh, it's so hopeful and so beautiful, and and I feel proud of the depth that I was able to get out of it, and. I was so happy to be able to gift that to her. Um, so yeah, gonna be down in California in the end, by the end of September doing Write and Rise California Foodie Edition, which is um, poetry, meditation, and food by a private chef who's Mimi. Uh, amazing. And she has a blog that's kind of getting out there now, and it's called Recovery Bites. <laughs> And it is uh, nutrition for people in recovery. So that's something that speaks to you, which I think it speaks to a lot of us because we're trying to get back on the right track, you know, trying to te- treat our bodies like the temples that they are. I always had a trouble with trouble with um, with that that phrase, my body is a temple, because I never fucking treated my body like a temple, you know, I couldn't understand that mindset but it is like somebody else said that the only house that we ever have like we never move out of is our body it's something that we have forever and we live inside of it and these are the walls we should treat it as like this place of glory and divinity and just magic um, I'm getting off topic now, <laughs> but yeah, check it out, recoverybites.com, uh, I believe, and yeah, here, let's go, let's jump in. Groundhog in. Last night's makeup, only one eyebrow left, messy bun, where messy means knotted beyond rescue and greasier than the McDonald's I had for breakfast for the fourth time this week, a pounding 10-hour headache and monsoon waves of nausea. Is this all that life has in store for me? I feel like that probably speaks to you. Because holy hell, that was like my day every day for years. I would wake up, Last night's makeup, just all over my face, I probably wouldn't even notice what my face even looked like because I was not concerned with that. I was concerned with how gross I felt on the inside. And I I talk about the McDonald's for breakfast because there was so many times. It's hard to, I have to stop saying so many. It was every time, every single time. I went to bed. I never prepared my lunch or my breakfast for the next day. It was it was a waste of my time, right? My time needed to be spent consuming alcohol and checking the fuck out, right? So I never prepared myself for the next day, which always ended up making the day harder, right? So I wake up. I look ridiculous. My hair is not a beyond belief, which, to be fair, I actually have not combed my hair in quite a while, and my hair is like out of control, knotted right now. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I have issues <laughs> combing my hair all the time. <laughs> Anybody else? I don't know. 
might have just put it up in a bun. And it's even now it's kind of like fighting the bun. Like that's how bad it is. I don't I don't know what to do. <laughs> I pay all this money to get my hair done. And it just I just don't comb it and I put it in a bun. <laughs> so so some of this is still happening. Some of I don't actually wear a lot of makeup now, only kind of for events or photo shoots or anything like that, but like could I go to work or hang out with friends and stuff, I don't. So there's there's not too many one eyebrows left at this point. <laughs> like my eyebrows aren't like even plucked right now. They're kind of like a furry monster, but that's okay because I couldn't be bothered, you know? I could not be bothered. I have my mind has other shit that it's got to think about and care about. That's for sure. So we're going to McDonald's, filling our bodies with just garbage because there's no, no time was allotted for this because it wasn't deemed important. You see what I mean? Addiction takes all priorities away. It is the only thing that matters and anything else gets categorized as we're not doing this because this is not feeding the addiction. This is not how we turn off. This is how we engage, you know? Preparing for the next day is engagement. It is foresight. It is being with yourself and and knowing what you need and treating yourself as valuable enough to be prepared for. Yeah? So... This just really speaks to how in addiction it robs you of so much. It completely devalues you. It makes you not a priority. It makes something else, this like demonic poisonous liquid. Oh, just isn't that the most insane thought to think that we're just slaves to liquid? It's liquid. Like, we're just slaves to a liquid. I can't even even believe that. It's so insane. It's so insane. And believe me, I'm not that great at preparing uh, for the week ahead either. But uh, I certainly have a much freer life at this point. Oh, I have such a freer life. And it's almost, it's almost insane to read this poem and think that my life used to be like that, where every day was just kind of this weird feeling of ketchup and trying to soothe myself in order to feel some semblance of normalcy or okay or worthy of loving myself. I was thinking about that a lot today. How it's so easy to loathe yourself, so easy to love yourself. This strange, like, pendulum of possibility between both, where just certain circumstances can make you talk so negatively to yourself and just loathe yourself so deeply that you don't even feel worthy of 
of love, of soothing. Like maybe I just deserve to feel like absolute garbage. I did this to myself, right? I said this to my boyfriend today who is hungover. And we were talking about how people complain about things they've done to themselves. And and he said that his stomach hurt. And he said, yeah, I know, I know. I did it to myself. And I said, you know, sure, you did. But it doesn't negate just how awful your current experience is. It doesn't matter if we did it to ourselves. It still sucks. And in those moments, we are worthy of soothing. We are worthy of love, external and internal. Just because you did it to yourself doesn't mean that you deserve to feel so horrible. And I'm sticking with this within a substance realm. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not ready to entertain the idea of like, well, you killed someone, so now you're in jail and you're on death row and you did it to yourself. Not, <laughs> not here to de- debate that portion of it, but addiction is insane, right? So it is such a beast because the stigma around it especially when you, the stigma towards like drug addicts, it's, it seems undefeatable. Just the way people talk. Sometimes the way I talk, I catch myself and I have, I hold this judgment. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. I am them, you know? I am them. just means that on some level I'm still judging myself, right? I'm not letting myself off the hook for being human. Hmm. And like I said, it's it's kind of hard to look back and be like, wow, my life was that narrow, that trapped every single day. There wasn't anything else, you know? I didn't have such an abundant life. I didn't even know that I could. It felt so small. It's like, I've been playing a lot of video games, so bear with me here. It's like, you know, when you start out, like, I don't know if you've played like Skyrim or World of Warcraft or those kind of things, questing fantasy games where you you have a starting point and you go to people around and you gain quests from them and you do quests in that area and eventually the quests will lead you to new areas. But in the beginning, you're sitting there and walking around and you're, you're doing stuff just in the very first town that you've been introduced to. At this point, you have no idea what the outside world is like. It exi- You know it exists, but all you know is this town. All you know is the inn that you sleep at. All you know is this specific armory where you get your sword sharpened. You only know this one person that you can trade your goods with and buy new goods from. 
But in reality, there's like a million merchants, there's a million armories, there's a million inns. And it's endless. But I felt so secluded in my lifestyle and my mind and my emotions. I felt so stunted and small that this was all there was. Just this roundabout day after day, groundhog day feeling that I just couldn't escape from. It was like the freaking hamster on the wheel. You know, you just go and you go and you go and nothing is ever different. If you're feeling like this in any way, you have to make a change in order for things to be different. You have to step off the hamster wheel. You have to explore outside of that first little town that you're questing in. There has to be something different in order to shatter your narrow reality. Life as you know it must end. And the only way to do that is to do something wild. You see it in every hero's journey, storyline, in books, movies, television. The main character has to go off, out of the norm. They're not going to school anymore. They're training to be a wizard. I don't know. (laughs) It's Hercules leaving his small town and his adoptive parents to go to Mount Olympus. It is so much you know it's just all those things out there where the story doesn't start until you leave your comfort zone the thing that you've been doing always and you know that there is that ache in you that thing that is pulling on you to make things different to change it up so far that's the only way that i've been able to figure out how to do it you have to do something different, to go out. Yeah, and today in the car, we were driving to my parents' house for dinner. And I've been thinking the last couple days, it's summer, you know, summer's hard, right? It's goddamn hard for a sober person and I've been laying low mostly, and honestly, I've been sick. You know, last week I didn't even put out a podcast episode because I lost my voice and I was, like, bedridden. I was so sick. I missed a lot of work. I'm still on the mend. My ear is still plugged. I can't hear properly. Uh, But I've just really been thinking how things have changed with my friend groups in sobriety. Excuse me. How, you know, things weren't really different right off the bat. I didn't, like, lose friends very obviously because I was sober. But I am very particular about the relationships I choose now. My friends are very supportive of me. They're either sober or they're not huge partiers. But my I used to have friends all the time, and I think that maybe this is just part of getting older, but like a core group of friends where, oh, there's a movie you want to go see? You ask them and you go together. You know, you have 
Uh, you exchange gifts at Christmas. You have friends miss. You hang out together on New Year's. You go on camping trips. You go on trips together to other places. You're, they're the people you invite to your bachelorette party. It's They're just the people that you go to music festivals with. They're the people who, who you celebrate your birthday with. And I'm realizing now that I do not have that at all. At all. I have friends. Really wonderful friends. But they all have their own friends too. You know? Like I only have adult friendships now. Except for my one best friend from childhood. But she lives in Berlin. I, I miss miss that and it's really really hard to recreate that as a sober person with adult friendships with people who drink because when there's new year's they're drinking when there's christmas they're drinking when it's birthdays they're drinking when there's camping they're drinking bachelorette parties they're drinking everything still has alcohol in it and i used to be really good at that And I was telling my boyfriend that even though I have good friendships and just because they also have friends and I also have friends, like we're all kind of in the same boat, I'm different. I feel like an outsider still. Because what I had is gone and I don't know how to be an insider with sobriety hanging around my neck. I don't know. And he said, you know this better than anyone. When you make a sacrifice in order to change your life, that's what it is. You, you choose a better life, but you have to sacrifice other things. Nothing is ever free. That's what makes it worth something. That's what makes it valuable. Now, I know that relationships are not transactional, But life choices are transactional. If you think about it like this, you want to change something, you have to release the old something. And it's been difficult to try to learn. I'm still learning. If you can keep some of the old. Or if it's just killing you by trying to keep it around. I don't know the answer. Um, I'm still working on trying to change things. You know, you didn't lose it, it's different type thing. But does it just provide like a really gross negative nostalgia 
I don't know. Does it just provide heartbreak and mourning? I don't know. I'm still working on it. But I know I am glad that I am putting myself first in this new life, in this new realm of freedom. I know how to put my energy in places in order to receive as a symbol of what you want. That's where you put your energy. So perhaps that's the way. If I want something, I need to speak it. You can't just silently hope that it comes true. The universe responds to action. So that's what I'm going to do. Maybe you'll try it out with me. I'm going to change the way the life is right now, my life. I'm going to change it by doing something different. I want that connection. I want friends who can be the friends that I do things with. Maybe it's time I make the first move. All right. Here's groundhogging. Last night's makeup, only one eyebrow left, messy bun, where messy means knotted beyond rescue, and greasier than the McDonald's I had for breakfast the fourth time this week, and pounding ten-hour headache and monsoon waves of nausea, is this all that life has in store for me? The answer is no. <laughs> it's not! Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week.